Welcome to Equip This Church, Dunedin. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Hannah Hooker. For more information, check out equipthischurch.com. Who's happy to be in the house? Yeah, so good, eh? Um, we're just going to wait. I should have brought it up, my, not the pulpit, but my Bible and my iPad. I lost its screen protector today, so I'm hoping it doesn't scoot off the pulpit. The Ryan's quite skilled. <sighs> Hopefully it doesn't. Awesome. You guys can take your seats if you like. Give your uh, amazing worship team a hand. Good. Um, So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Hannah. Um, Me and my family relocated to Dunedin just over a year ago. Um, We've lived here a year and we really love it. I'm married to a, I always call him a stallion, and I was like, maybe I won't do that today, but that's what I think he is. Um, To my stallion of a husband, Aaron, who's on hosting today. I'm a mum to two courageous, fiery little girls um, called Kennedy and Emerson, who are, they're radical. If you've met them, you'll know them. Um, And then I'm a part-time hairdresser. I'm a full-time lover of Jesus, of his house, and of his people. Um, And it is a real privilege for me to be sharing with you um, today. So I want to offer you a big warm welcome as well. And to those of you who are streaming in, hello, we miss you and hope you're all back soon. Um, Some of us are isolating because of COVID and some of us are not, but we're in the room, we're on the screen and we're expecting for God to move, yeah? Um, So a couple of weeks ago, you uh, may have been here, but Pastor Will and Pastor Desiree started off a series called Risk. Um, Like Anna mentioned, it was uh, two excellent messages. And then last week we did a bit of live streaming. And um, this this week I get to bring you the second installment of Risk. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. I've written in here because I talk really fast. I don't mean to. I just get very excited. And when I'm excited, I talk really fast. So I've written notes today. Pause and breathe, Hannah. So we should all be able to, you know, have a, have a great time. But um, yeah, so hopefully you'll enjoy that. I was lovely Pastor Aileen always is like, oh, you've got so much to do. You talk so fast. I'm, like, I'm going to try really hard. My granddad always was like, you talk too fast, Hannah. You talk too fast. Too much to say. Um, but anyway, when I think about risk, I think about faith. I think faith and risk go hand in hand. I don't think they're separate. I don't think they're apart. I think they're hand in hand. When I think about the moments where I've taken a risk, whether it be small, whether it be big, um, I have both been petrified, but also very expectant and excited because what could God do if maybe I just took a risk? What could God do if perhaps I stepped out? And so, Um, When I think about risk, I do think about faith. And we read in the Bible, there are so many stories of men and women who took risks. Um, I'm going to talk about a few just now. Um, So Joshua took a, a risk when he walked around the walls of Jericho. All right, so they needed to take the land. And then God said to him, go walk around the wall for seven days. And on the seventh day, will you blow your trumpet? Now we read that story and we're like, oh, that's so good. But does anyone else think that's a bit mad? Just go and walk around, walk around the walls, and on the seventh day, blow your trumpet, and the walls will fall down, and you can seize the land. You know, but it's a risk. And then we read Noah, who took a risk building the ark. Again, he hears from God, and he's like, okay, I'm a man of great faith. And then he builds a ginormous boat that has enough room for two of every animal. And if I was looking at him, I would think it's not been raining for a really long time. I'd be thinking, man, this man is crazy, but he took a risk. We read about Moses, who took a risk heading back to Egypt. He'd fled from Egypt because he'd killed an Egyptian and he had a lot of past there. And God says, you need to go back. 
And Moses is like, oh, I just don't know if I can. But he takes a risk, trusting that perhaps God would move and goes back to Egypt and we see the Israelites set free. We hear about Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego who jump on into the fiery furnace. Anyone else like, okay, yeah, cool. You want to do that for fun? Just jump on into a fiery furnace. But they took a risk um, believing that perhaps, perhaps God would break through. Perhaps God would save them. And then they walk out of the furnace, not even touched. Then we read about the woman with the issue of blood who probably in that time had no right showing her face in public, but she took a risk thinking perhaps God might move. Perhaps if I can position myself, God can move on my behalf. And then we hear about David, little old David. I believe he wasn't very big at the time. I'll take down the giant with a slingshot. Me and my little, I imagine this, he's quite like weedy and little, you know. I'll take down, I'll take down the giant with my slingshot, with my faith, with my risk. Perhaps God will meet me. I'm just going to take a risk. So we read the Bible and it's filled of people who take risks. And I could go on and on and on and on. But like I say, when I think about risk, I think about great faith. And this morning, my prayer has been, God, would you stir your people up? Would you build faith? Would you cause us to dream a little bigger, cause us to think a little bigger? God, would you put a demand on our faith so we are encouraged to take some more risks? So we are encouraged to step out in faith. So we are encouraged to move. That is my prayer this morning for you and for me. I was writing this message um, last night. I was talking to Aaron and I was like, man, I, like, I'm convicted in writing this message, convicted by the Holy Spirit. And I hope the same thing happens to you in a nice way. But are we convicted to take a risk and see God move? Because perhaps, perhaps if you would take a risk, perhaps God will intervene for you today. So I'm just going to pray. Holy God, I thank you for this morning. Mighty God, I thank you for this wonderful church filled with wonderful people. Mighty God, I thank you. You've got a great plan for every single one of us, for this city, for this land. And holy God, I pray this one you would come. You would speak, your word would go out, and it would not return void. Holy God, we are ready, we're expectant, and we're happy to be here, and our hearts are open. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So I was going to let you on a little secret. I'm quite loud. Surprise. Um, I really like it when you're loud too. I feel, I, I like it. So don't be afraid to be like, oh, that's good, Hannah. You know, I like to do it on the front row because it's quite encouraging for those who are preaching. Um, and it's just good. It means you're listening, I'm listening, and we're having a fun time. Cool? All right. Who's got their Bibles today? Yeah, I brought my actual Bible today. Look at that. I know. Look at me go. Do you know this Bible, this is a off, going off topic, ended up in a swimming pool. But it's still, like, it's, still, it's still going strong. It's been recovered, but it ended up in a pool. Um, right, so we're starting with a couple of scriptures. The first one is James 2, 17 to 22. Um, and the guys don't have my scriptures because I didn't send them. Very sorry. Actually, it's 14 to 17. Get it right, Hannah. Okay, it says this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anybody? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or no clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a great day and stay warm. I hope you eat well. But then you don't give that person any, any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good, good deeds, it is dead and useless. 
Yeah, I know, right? Um, faith and deeds equal risk. Faith and deeds equal risk. For those of you who like a sermon title, with a bit of extra cheese this morning, with great risk comes great reward. I went, you don't think it's cheesy? Aaron was like, oh, I'm talking about cheesy, but okay. All right, so <laughs> clearly, clearly it's not. But with great faith and with, with great risk comes great reward. And so this morning, I've got a couple of questions to ask you. In fact, I have three. Um, and hopefully by the time you leave here, you are prepared to step out and take a risk. But the first question I have to ask you is what is the risk? What is the risk that you need to take? Can I ask you, What's in your heart? Can I ask you what dream you've been sitting on? What thought has been percolating around in your mind? What do you imagine when you stop for a minute and you close your eyes and you think, oh, just imagine if I could do A, B, C, X, Y, Z. What has God whispered to you? And what are you just sitting on and holding tight? I'm pretty sure there's something. I'm convinced that you are, if you are in this room, online, wherever you are, that God has got a plan and a purpose for your life. And it is a plan for good. God has called us out and He has entrusted to us treasures of heaven. He has given us dreams. He's opened doors. He's invited us to look after something that is dear to Him. We are His trusted and faithful servants. We read in Matthew 25, I'm actually not going to read it, I'm going to paraphrase it, hope that's okay. Um, it's about the master and his servants and the talents. So it's a parable some of us may know, some of us may not. But the master goes away and he calls three men and he gives them each some talent. He gives one five, one two, and one one. And he says, right, you go and do what you need to do. I'm going away, I'll be back soon. And so he goes away and um, the man with five talents, he invests them, he does stuff with it and it grows and he ends up with 10 the guy who's given three, he does the same thing. He invests it, it doubles, he has six. The guy who has one, now he knows, he thinks that maybe like the master's a bit of a harsh man, a bit of a scary man. So he buries his talent in the sand, hoping that that's enough. So we have risk one, we double. Risk two, we double. No risk, buried in the sand, nothing happens. The master comes back, calls his servants and says, right, what have you done? And the first one's like, oh, I was so good. I went out, I invested it, I dealt with it, and I've doubled it. And he says to him, the master says, oh, well done, you good and faithful servant. Here is more to be added to you. He says to the second servant, what did you do? And the servant says, oh, master. I'd imagine he'd be like, you'd be so proud. I took it out and I doubled it, and now I have six. And the master's like, well done, good and faithful servant. And then the third servant, his master says to him, what did you do? And the servant's like, oh, master, I knew you to be a harsh and unkind man. I hid it in the sand, the dirt, and here it is. Here's one. I've got your one talent you entrusted to me. The master's response is, you wicked and lazy servant. And he casts him out. <laughs> you wicked and lazy. I'd, I'd not like to hear that. Um, but what I want to ask you from that is what thought, dream, idea has God placed in your heart? What is the whisper of heaven that you have heard? That's a treasure of heaven. That little thought, that little dream, God is entrusting you with that. And he's saying, what will you do with it? Will you bury it in the sand? Will you take a risk? We have a responsibility to steward it and to take care of it. And then perhaps God will move on our behalf. I've learned that sometimes what God asks us to do doesn't always make sense. 
it can sometimes seem a little too risky. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations that don't even make sense. But I have learned that if we trust wholeheartedly in God, you can trust the situation will work out for good. I have learned that we can reason away the risk. We can find 125 reasons why not to take the risk. Anyone with me? Yeah, great. I'm glad I'm not the only one. You know, I get an idea and perhaps it's from God. Perhaps God would move on my behalf. But then I can find a list of 20, 25, 30, 40 reasons why it's not going to work. And maybe I just park it for another year, another decade. Who really knows? (laughs) But if our trust is in the right place, the risk is worth the try. If we bring it to God, just perhaps he'll move on our behalf. You know, I lived in Masterton for 10 years. Does anyone know where Masterton is? Yep, okay. It's a very hot, very hot and very cold. Colder than Dunedin, I reckon, or what I've experienced anyway. But um, I had the privilege of being a youth pastor there for seven and a half years. Teenagers are great. And um, we ran a really great program. We had some really great days. There, were, um, there was a season we were getting between like 140 to 180 kids out on a Friday night. And we were seeing them impacted with the reality of Jesus. Um, and it was a good time. I was having a great time. Um, God was moving. I was excited. And the Wairarapa is quite like it's a region. So there's a place called Featherston, a place called Greytown, Carterton and Masterton. And every Friday, our vans would drive down to Featherston and we'd pick kids up from Featherston. So that's like 35 minutes. Um, and then Greytown and then Carterton. And one day I was sitting in my office and I was thinking, because I don't know if it's the same down here, but like people in Marston just don't have their licenses. Like they just don't. And so, and especially in youth ministry, they don't have their license. And so there's like three of us that are driving to and from, to and from, to and from. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, what if we just did something in Greytown instead? Instead of driving every Friday, what if we add another program or what if we add on a Thursday and we just drive down to Greytown and we do it? Now, it came with risks. We had to put a demand on people. We had to put a demand on people's time, on finances, on like we asked our youth leaders to step up and do some more. And it was risky. But as I was sitting at my desk, because what we had in Marston was like good. We were having a good time. Anyone been and like, you know, God's doing great stuff and you're smack bang in the middle? It's like party time, right? And so I was like, oh, if I take people away, maybe this will. But then I thought, what if I just move and perhaps God will move on my behalf? So I rally the team together and I say, right, we're going to start a youth program in Greytown. Um, and some of them were like, oh, another night? I'm like, yep, another night. I feel like God's on it. I feel like he's in it. If we move, perhaps he'll meet us on our behalf. Um, so we drive down there. Our first Thursday, we take our sound system. We get the hall for free. How good's that? I know, right? And so we get the hall for free and we turn up, we go there and nobody comes. I know. <laughs> no, no one arrives, just our team. And I'm like, okay, cool. And so we wait. Maybe I'll be late, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour. Okay, no, they're not coming, right? Let's just, let's call it, let's go home. And so everyone's like, oh, I, you know, let's, let's call it. And I'm like, no, let's not call it. We're going back next week. Because, you know, sometimes when God speaks, it's not instant. Sometimes we're like, okay, God, I've heard you now. Where's the miracle? Sometimes you've got to push. Sometimes you've got to go again. Sometimes you've got to keep trying. So the following Thursday, we load up the sound system. We load up the van. We drive down. We open the hall. And then we're there. And then two kids come. And then the following week, three kids come. And then the following week, five kids come. So we got up to about 45 kids coming on like a Friday. And um, one thing about Greytown is like, we just couldn't get into the high school. The school did not want to know us. The revolution tour would come. They're like, no, 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 no. Um, but through the risk of perhaps God will move. 
perhaps if I take the risk and step out and dip my toe, perhaps he will move. We saw kids saved. We saw a program established. We saw school doors open because we took the risk. Another, I'm just sharing these stories, not because I'm great, but because I want to build your faith. Um, And I just, you know, let's just take some risk. So when I was an intern, I managed to save lots of money. I don't know how I did it. I was at Bible college. Um, But anyway, I saved a lot of money. I moved to Macedon and I had a nice stash of cash. All right, I loved it. And then I got engaged to my husband and I was like, yes, I can pay for my wedding. I've got all the money. It's going to be great. And we do miracle offering. I think we call it vision offering now. It was a miracle offering 12 years ago. Um, But anyway, and I heard God say, the money that's in your bank, you need to give it to miracle offering. And I was like, oh, that's my wedding fund. That's my dress and my food and my candles and my lights and everything you need to make a wedding beautiful. And I heard God say, can you just move and perhaps I'll move on your behalf? Um, and because I was filled with faith, young Christian, you can have it all, God. I pay it on the counter and it's gone and my bank account is zero. Um, and we're getting married in like, I don't know, six months time. But the crazy thing is, I took the risk, hoping perhaps God will move on my behalf. We got married for ridiculously cheap. I paid full price for nothing. Everything was 50 to 70% on sale. You know, like literally, I didn't pay for the venue. We got our food for, I think it was $12 a head. That's cheap, all right? Because maybe if I take a risk, perhaps God will move on my behalf. Perhaps God will meet me here if I'm willing to take a risk. Psalms 32 verse 9 says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. God cannot move a stationary vehicle. I don't know, I've never tried to push a vehicle, but I have tried to lift a child that does not want to move. All right, and you're like, Ugh, and they're like, no, no, and they just become dead weight. And I can't move her, I can't shove her, I can't, she's just heavy. God can't move a stationary vehicle. So I want to say, God will pull you back in line if you're out of line, but will you take a risk? Because if you're moving, God can steer you, God can turn you. But if you're standing still, He can't really move you. So can I encourage you? What is the risk? What is in your heart? Bring the talent, bring the dream, bring what's in your hand. Don't bury it. Partner with God and perhaps He will move on your behalf. And you know what? If He doesn't, you'll have a really great time trying. You know? (laughs) All right. Number two. What's in your hand? You know, we read in um, the parable of the talents that they had talents in their hand. Five, three, and one. What's in your hand? What skill set do you have? What has God entrusted you with? And when I was thinking about this, I was like, how can I make this practical? Because, you know, that's really important. So um, Aaron, my Aaron, is a great cook. If you've had the privilege of being at a house for dinner, it's generally pretty good. Unless I'm cooking, then it's quite average. But anyway, Aaron's got what I like to call like a table ministry. So it's not just, he doesn't just build beautiful tables, although he does that. He also has this ability with what's in his hand, he just cooks dinner and he feeds people. And we sit around our table and we talk and we minister, and we share, and we develop one another, and we disciple one another, and it's in his hands, and we do it quite proactively. I'd like to tell you I'm an introvert, okay? Believe it or not, surprise. And so actually, like I really like my own company. I really like just, you know, at home by myself. But what is in my hand is my husband's table ministry, So we will feed people, we will connect with people, we will disciple people, and we sometimes take a risk on the bank account because, oh, do we have enough food to stretch? Perhaps God will move if we meet him. There's always leftovers, you know. 
what is in your hand? I want to say there are books in this room. There's curriculums in this room. There's strategies in this room. There's breakthroughs in this room. There's business plans in this room. There's words of encouragement in this room. There's salvation in this room. There's meals in this room. There's God conversations in this room. What is in your hand? God has given you something. What is stirring in your heart that needs a risk taken on it? I've learned it's great to be a dreamer. I mean, God loves a dreamer, but nothing is going to happen if you don't do something about it. So dream away by all means, but let's not just be dreamers. Let's be people who activate and take a risk that perhaps God will move on my behalf. Sometimes it's really hard work. The call, the mission, the dream, it's not always a walk in the park. But God gives you the strength to outwork that which he has placed in us only if we will just rely on him, lean on him, step out in him. Let's not quit when things get a wee bit hard. Let's push till we see it come to pass. You know, I think if I, um, if I talk again about what's in my hand and what am I doing. So currently, like I said, I'm a mum to two little girls. I've got, she's four, just turned four and six. So I'm in like play date land. I don't like play dates, but anyway, um, what's in my hand, right? So I'm like, okay, God, this is what I've got. This is the time. This is the resource. I'm skilled in many other areas, but where I find myself is hanging out with mums and dads who don't know Jesus. This is where I find myself three afternoons a week, hanging out at the park with mums. And I'm like, okay, cool. This is what's in my hand. I'm going to take a risk, Every time they say, what would you do on the weekend? It's quite great. Oh, I went to church. Oh, what church to go to? Oh, I go to a corpus church. Oh, how have you been a Christian for? And we're having all these conversations. I'm inviting non-Christians to dinner because it's in my hand. I can do it. I'm taking a risk. It is hard. Sometimes it's even a little bit uncomfortable, but I do it anyway. You know, there's new mums at school and I take a risk and I go up to them and be like, hello, my name's Hannah. You know, nice to meet you. I see you just had a baby. Can I cook you a meal? Because it's in my hand. You might not think that's a risk. For me, that's a risk. I'm quite shy. Do you want to believe it? You want to believe I'm shy? Thank you, I am. Um, <laughs> you know, so going up to a total stranger and being like, man, I see you've just had a baby. Would you mind if I cooked you a meal? Now, it may seem practical, but perhaps God would move on my behalf if I would step out and offer kindness, if I would step out and do something that's not normal. You know, for the last 10 years, I've been meaning to write a stupid book. I've started it so many times. And I'm writing this message. Oh, what's in your hand? Take a risk. Ah, da, 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 da. And God just nudges me and was like, what about your book? And I'm telling you all, because now you can all keep me accountable <laughs> about my book. You know, like I'm 17 chapters into it. I just need to finish it. But you know, what's in your hand? Perhaps if I sit at my computer and I write what's in my heart, perhaps God will move on my behalf. Perhaps God would fill it with anointing. Just perhaps. You know, moving to Dunedin. And my, like it was, I was very excited. But it was also really risky. We had a great village. We had a great family. We had great friends. We were doing really well. But I heard God speak and I had to think, man, perhaps if I will go, perhaps God will move on my behalf. I can testify today what was in my hand was like, right, okay, yeah, right, this is in my hand. This is what I can do. The risk is moved. You can get it all together. Now go. 
We've had like the best year of our entire lives and God has exceeded our expectations in terms of friendship, in terms of God speaking, in terms of God moving. Like, you know, like it's worth the risk if you step out with what's in your hand, perhaps, perhaps God will move on your behalf. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says this, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine, guess or even request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. What's in your hand? I'm just gonna, like, what is in your hand? What dream is percolating? I've got so, I don't just wanna be an ideas lady. I want to be like an activation lady. I want to take the risk. I want to step out. And I just think, man, maybe if we step out and dip our toe, we might fail. But maybe if we step out and dip our toe again, we might succeed. Maybe if I load up a van to Greytown and step out, maybe it'll be awesome. Maybe it wasn't. But I went again, and it was awesome. I want to just share some people who... um, looked at what was in their hand and took a risk, I'd like to share their failures with you because you might find it encouraging, okay? So Thomas Edison, who invented the light bulb, he had a thousand failures before he nailed the light bulb. Imagine if he stopped at 999. You'd be in darkness right now. (laughs) Someone else probably would have thought of it, but you know. Um, Sir James Dyson, who's got a Dyson? Not me who wants a Dyson, yes, please. All right, so he had 5,126 failed attempts before he nailed the really expensive vacuum cleaner that does a really good job. Dr. Zeus, do we all know Dr. Zeus? A man of great words. 27 publishers rejected him and told him he was no good. 27, I would give up at one. The Beatles, they were rejected by 12 record labels before someone said, okay, I'll give you a go. Steven Spielberg, was rejected from film school, not once, but twice. <laughs> I, mate, they say a quitter never wins and a winner never quits, right? And then Elizabeth Blackwell, you might, does anyone know who she is? You do? No, okay, right. She was like the first female doctor. She was rejected from 29 medical schools and told to dress as a man because she'd be more acceptable. She didn't. She didn't do it. She kept going, 27, 28, 29, and finally at 30, she became the first woman to hold a medical degree. So what's the risk? What's in your hand? Let's go. And if you get knocked down, get back up again. I was going to break into song, but decided, decided that's not a good idea. I could have. You all know the song, eh? Uh, get knocked down. Yeah, okay, great. So Ephesians 4, 1 to 4 says this. <laughs> Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just have you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. You are called and you are anointed by the most high God. The dream, the hope, the idea, the thought, the imagination, like just imagine 
if you stepped out, perhaps God would move on your behalf. If you took what's in your hand and you brought it to God and you laid it down, you said, okay, God, here it is. This is what I've got. This is what I see. Perhaps you can move on my behalf. It's time to rise up and to take the risk. In the words of Nike, or Nike, how do you actually say it? It's Nike, yay. Nike, just do it. <laughs> like, just do it. Like, just do it. I think, what have you got to lose? Like, maybe the risk is big, but God is no man's debtor. You know, he's no man's debtor. And I reckon if we bring the risk to God, we bring what's in our hand, and we say, okay, God, here it is, and perhaps you'll move on my behalf, we can only but try. We can only but try. My third point, because I like being practical, is now how do we go? We've got the risk. We've got, we've acknowledged what's in our hands. And now how do we go? You make a plan. Don't just dream it, but do it. I mean, I was not around. We know I was around. Although now I'm 40, by the way. Not that that's anywhere close to Noah. I was going to be like, yeah, you know, but no, not even close. Um, you know, like I'm pretty sure when God said to Noah, I want you to build an ark, Noah wasn't like, okay, great, and just got started. I'm pretty sure he probably planned it. He probably measured how, I don't know, measured how much wood he needs, like made a plan, put it on paper, and then actioned it out. I think even when God said to Joshua, right, I mean, the plan was pretty simple, walk around the wall, but he would have had to think, okay, great, I'm pretty sure he would have got thirsty, would have got tired, so what are we going to do, rest stops, how are we going to feed ourselves, like all of that stuff. There was a plan. Again, like it's good to be a dreamer, but let's be people of action as well. The woman with the issue of blood, she probably made a plan. She heard Jesus was coming to town. Okay, right, how am I going to get there? What am I going to do? What's it going to take? And then when he comes to town, she has her plan. She actions it. She takes the risk and she receives the miracle. We share the plan. Tell someone, take a risk and share. You know, there's nothing like a little bit of accountability with our house, X, Y, Z going. Have you moved on whatever it is? You started writing your book, Hannah. Yeah, I have. Have you finished it? No, I haven't. <laughs> Can carry on, Hannah. Yeah, okay, sure. You know, <laughs> and then start something. What can we do this week to move towards the plan, to move toward the risk? You know, Pastor Desiree shared beautifully, and she said that illustration. I can't remember it all, but it's as simple as like one step. Just do one step, one thing that's closer to the plan. Maybe write a plan. What's the plan in your heart that God's given you? Write it down on paper. Stick it where you can see it so it stares you in the face. And don't let fear hold you back. As I was um, preparing this last night, I worked on it before last night, by the way. But as I was, I just really felt prophetically that fear can hold a lot of people stationary. Like it can hold a lot of people stationary. Alice, can you jump up, please? Um, and so, for example, we are just going to be really honest with you. Do you guys like honest? Great. I lived in Macedon for 10 years, and it was I had it good, man. Like it was comfortable. We owned our own house. We had a great village. If my child cried, I'd just bring my friend. I'd come home for a walk. I'd have a nap. Might have been lazy, but I loved it. You know, like I had a great church. Like, you know, financially we were quite comfortable. Comfortable, And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And then I heard or felt, felt God say, I want you to move to Lower Hutt. I was like, yeah, great. I'm always up for an adventure. Let's go. So, you know, three months later, we'd packed our house. We'd moved to Lower Hutt. Do you know what? It was It was awful. <laughs> I really, I didn't have a good time. I always knew moving to Lower Hutt was going to be more about Aaron than it was for me, but I found it like really hard. Like I don't think I have cried as much as I cried in that two years as I cried in those two years. 
it was like the hardest slog I had like, for me, like Bible college was a hard slog, you know, and it was painful. God dealt with all the stuff and all these issues. But man, lower hut was awful. And it was awful because I was isolated for one, but God was doing like a deep, significant work that I couldn't see at the time. It just felt horrible. And so then when I hear God say, you need to move to Dunedin, I was like, forget it. I moved down here and it was supposed to be awesome. And it's been awful. I've had like no friends and I've cried and I've tried to step out. And every time you've like pulled me back in, when I see now that God was doing some beautiful stuff in my heart. But at the time, like it was really awful and I needed it. And I know now I stand on the foundation that happened in Lower Heart, but at the time I couldn't see it. So when God says to me, move to Dunedin, I'm like, you, mm-mm, mm I'm like stalking everyone on Facebook. Like, oh, no, they look a bit too cool. Like, you know, like... <laughs> Don't know if I'm going to fit in there. Like, oh, I don't know. You know, and like I was like, I legitimately, I was excited, but I was scared. Because what if I got down here and it was lower hut again? And like I say, at the time, I didn't realise what God was doing. I just thought it was awful. Um, and it was still hard, but praise the Lord for that season, because what God did was amazing. But I was scared to move to Dunedin. You know, it had been like, and I know that Pastor Will and Pastor Des had been my, um, they'd been my pastors and I knew them, but seven and a half years is a long time. You know, and so I was like, I'm, and I remember sitting on my, I was sitting outside, we lived in this beautiful house in Lower Heart and there was this big tree. And I was sitting there, I just was crying. I was like, God, I don't, I don't really know if I like, I like, I want to go, but I don't. I don't. Like my kids are happy. Like we're kind of okay. It's like we're living with like a broken light bulb. You know, like when stuff breaks in your house and you just learn to live with it. Anyone else do that? Like your toaster doesn't work. Like maybe only toast one side of your toast, but you like live with it, right? So that's kind of what I felt like in lower heart. Like, you know, like it's okay. I can do, I can keep doing this, God. It's actually okay. And I just, God just gave me a picture. He gave me two pictures. One was my little girls just running around church, just like happy. You know, I was worried about moving them because they had it really good. They had good friends. And he just showed me this picture of Ken and Emerson just running loops, like, whew. Having the time of their lives, um, and then he just showed me a picture of la- of me just laughing, like just laughing my little head off. And I was like, "Oh, that's unusual." I don't didn't laugh much till I moved to Dunedin. I got far too serious, um, you know. But man, I've laughed so much this last year. You know, I was out for dinner on Friday and I was laughing, and I was like, "Man, I was scared. I was really scared." But I took the risk. And I took the risk thinking, okay, perhaps God will meet me here. So I'll pack up my family. I'll move islands. And perhaps God will move on my behalf. And you know what? He did. He did. He is faithful. Like you guys are in the promised land. If you don't know that, you know, like go back to God and be like, okay, God, show me what you've got for this city. Show me what you've got for this church. Show me what you've got for my life. Because you know what? This is a good place to be. You know, but as I was as I was prepping for this sermon, I just felt God say, man, people, this fear is like holding you. And it's okay to be scared. I'm scared all the time, I'm scared talking to strangers. I get scared every time I have to worship lead, just so you know. Get up here all brave. But every time I'm like, man, God, I don't know. But you know what? Fear's got no right. You know, the Bible says where there's perfect love, which is the love of God, it casts out all fear. All fear. And so just this morning, risk requires us to maybe step into the unknown. Risk requires us to maybe be a little bit uncomfortable. But God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, 
but of peace, of love and a sound mind. So I want to declare right now, if fear's got you bound, in Jesus' name be broken. In Jesus' name be broken. We will be people who will rise up and take risks and see God made famous and see God glorified and see communities turned around the other way. We can trust the plans and the purposes of God. So in wrapping up this morning, I fully believe that we all have something we can take a risk on. I was saying to Aaron last night, I was talking to him and I was like, right, I like, I like to land my sermons well so you can take something away and you know what, you can do something with it. And so I was thinking, you know, like we all have something we can take a risk on. Maybe it's ringing someone and saying, hey, you know how that stuff went down those years ago? Man, I forgive you. Maybe it's cooking a meal for your neighbour. Maybe it's inviting someone to church. Maybe it's writing down a business plan. Maybe it's prophesying into somebody's future. Maybe it's telling someone what your secret, secret dream is. You know, but there is something we can all take a risk on. We've all got something in our hands and we've been entrusted by God with it. And it doesn't matter how big or how small, nothing is insignificant. God can use it all for His glory. And maybe, maybe God will move on our behalf. Just perhaps if I dip my toe, just perhaps if I dip my foot, just perhaps if I take a leap, if you're that courageous, go for it. Just perhaps God will move on my behalf. You know, the greatest risk, a risk but it's not, that I ever took was saying yes to Jesus. Like I knew, um, I thought I had a good life and then I met Jesus. Oh, how wrong was I? You know, but one of the greatest risks I decided was to say yes to Jesus and to leave the life I once had well behind. Thank you for listening to this message recorded live at Equipus Church, Dunedin. We pray that it blessed you. For more information, please check out equipuschurch.com.